What's up, everybody? This is Brandon with Sleephawk Worldwide. Uh, before the show starts today, we want to let you know it's sponsored by a new line of CBD-infused products called Peaceful Lane. Peaceful Lane is farm-to-counter. What that means is they process the hemp on the farm right here in North Carolina, and they process it just up the road, also in North Carolina. The farm's in Summerfield. They process it in Roxborough. Uh, the stuff is great. There's topical products. There's a roll-on. There's bath sauce. There's moisturizers. All these are aimed at helping restore your body after like a hard workout. They release some pain and soreness. A lot of times I use it when I get done with a lot of long runs. Uh, and day after day, I find myself less and less sore. So these products really work. They also have some products for your you know, mental health to restore inner calm and to help you rest and, and sleep better. They have CBD-infused dark chocolates and fruit nips and high-potency tincture and you know a lot of the products we're going to discuss later on the show but if you go to their website at peacefullane.co that's peacefullane.co and use the code tyler20 you'll get 20% off your purchase again that's peacefullane.co use the code tyler20 for 20% off your next purchase thanks for listening and stay safe And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. After a week off, this is Sleep Dog alongside the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It is the Big Hulk. Uh, it's been a minute since we've been in the lab. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm looking forward to this episode. Um, yeah, I'm ready. Guy's been in the Caribbean. He's been in, uh, actually, I don't think uh, Hawaii is technically in the Caribbean, but very Caribbean-like. Uh, now he's in San Diego. Sleep dog holding down here across the street from the prison, downtown Raleigh. Uh, biggest thing that happened since last we chatted was Coach K basically sent us all to prison because for the next 365 days, which I guess probably technically not quite that long, but it's going to sure as hell seem like it. All we're going to hear about is how Coach K is singing his swan song, guys guys retiring. Um, the whole world, I'm sure, is on the edge of their seat, Big Hawk. Like, God, get, just, just give us your thoughts on this. I can't wait to hear this. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see why he said it before the season. Um, why would you announce that you're going to retire after the season? Um, Coach Williams, I think if I were to do it uh, anyway, I would do it the Coach Williams way. And I would just basically have a season and come out and just let everybody know I'm done. My time is done. Um, uh, I'm retiring and I'm moving on. Now, why did Kay do this before the season? Um I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if he wants, uh, you know, a video kind of like Kobe did or he wants a farewell tour. Um, but, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on the players, uh, not only the coaching staff, but also if you were to play for Duke next year, how would you feel going everywhere and all they're doing is saying, thank you, Coach K. And then after the game, he's going everywhere. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. What, I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, the biggest thing, and I, I hate, I hate, absolutely hate this phrase, but being devil's advocate, it's blue devil's advocate, we'll say, which is even grimier. Um, if it were Roy, right, and if you were playing in that, especially like if you're a senior, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you, if you can remove yourself and then think about it that way, 
Um, does it motivate you? I think it could go either way for the players, right? They can either uh, have a, they can either outperform or underperform. I don't really think there's any just middle of the road um, that's going to come out of it as a, um, I have to say that as a UNC fan enthusiast and everything, I think there's a, a brief moment in which you have to remove yourself from that tip your hat to coach K. Cause you got to appreciate the fact that the reason we hate them is because they are good and he's a good coach and, and the Olympic stuff and all that sort of stuff. But that shit's short lived, right? For me, I hope they lose by a thousand every time out because I'm like you, man. It's just like this just reeks of, I don't know, self aggrandization or I don't even know. Yeah, big word alert. Um, yeah, it just doesn't feel good. Makes you wonder, um, you know, what the motivation really is. I was shocked at Shire. Um, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been. Um, but one thing's for sure, man, if I'm Hubert Davis, all I care about is that, I mean, that matchup in Cameron in the season, oh my God, like there is a banner on the locker room wall that is like, that is our national championship this year. Yeah. And you know, I got to tell you this, um, I've got a lot of respect for Kay and I know this is, I'm not, I'm not blinded. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done what he's accomplished at Duke and what he's, you know, made Duke a powerhouse himself and established everything. He deserves a lot of recognition. Uh, I'll give him that. And he's a hell of a coach. And every time we played against him, I felt like his teams were very prepared. and They always gave us a good battle. Um, now, I'm not sure I'm with you. I'm not sure what he gets out of saying he's going to retire if he wants just people to say thank you. Uh you know, what you've done to ACC basketball and to college basketball has been incredible. And I'll be honest, what he did with USA basketball and how he finessed that into a recruiting tool and how he made it look like he had close uh, relationships with a lot of the NBA players, a lot of like, you know, Kobe, Kobe and his relationship. That was genius. I mean, any kid in high school, you could use that as a recruiting tool. Hey, I talked to Kobe all the time. And I told him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he wants you to try this footwork. Now, who in the hell in their right mind is not going to try that footwork or whatever uh, Kay tells you that Kobe said? Um, Now, moving on to Shire. Shire's young, played against him. He doesn't have a good record against me, first of all. Um, But I did see him ringing the bell at the Hurricanes game. And I got to wonder if he's touched a weight since he's left Duke or if he touched a weight at Duke. Buddy, Uh, I was there. You couldn't hear it. I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it sounded like he was trying to crank a 2000 or 1906 Ford Model T out there, buddy. It did not sound intimidating. And, and before you even go on, it was nothing, nothing. We were still in the game. As soon as he cranks the horn within three minutes, they put the biscuit in the basket and series over all after that. Why in the hell is the Hurricanes doing that? You saw what happened when they brought SHWW in the house. We came, we came back and won. Oh yeah! We closed out the series. We thought we we're going to Stanley Cup. I was looking at Stanley Cup tickets, flights to get back to NC. Um, but you know, you wanted to do that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. And you mentioned that you know, Coach Williams is gone. Kay is gone. This is like beginning to feel like a new era of college basketball. And where I say that, it's becoming more progressive. And you're starting to see players take more say and the old legends you know it's you know the last of a dying breed where k these hard-nosed williams these hard-nosed coaches come out 
And these names that have made college basketball are starting to leave. Now you're starting to see the tides turn. You're starting to see Shire. You're starting to see Hubert Davis step in there. You know, Cronin from UCLA has established himself. Um, you know, I think the next, when you look at the line of college coaches left, um, I can't think of his name, the guy from Michigan State. Izzo. Um, Izzo. Yeah. Tom Izzo, he's a legend. You got Calipari, he's a legend. Uh, Billy Donovan. He is a legend yep. because he went back to back. You got to mm-hmm. give him credit. Oh yeah, Brad Brad Stevens. I think he could have been a legend if he wanted to stay. And I honestly, I thought Brad Stevens was going to be the guy that came back to Duke. Me and too. Take over after K. And I'm. I'll be honest. I'm glad he didn't because I think Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach, a hell of a recruiter. And he's not that old. And I think what he could have done at Duke would have been that would have been tough to see because he's a great coach. And what he did at Butler, if you give him the Duke platform, I mean, it's unbelievable. What yeah, that's an interesting happen. story altogether, what's going on up there in Boston. But that was my biggest fear. Aired it here was that, um, you know, Kay was going to leave and Brad Stevens was going to come. So in a way, I'm thrilled about John Shire. I mean, because mm-hmm. not only. All right. So so. As a UNC fan, and I don't want to step back and really kind of – it's easier for me to do this now that you've done it, but I just want to echo the same thing. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski, I hate the guy as a basketball coach, but, you know, he earned my respect uh, in, in, a, in a big way. When we were in school there and the student body president, Eve Carson, was killed, it was a big issue. Um, the two guys that – it was a national news story. The two guys that killed her were from Durham. We had a game shortly after all that took place. And I'll just never forget kind of the way I felt when uh, Mike Krzyzewski – and maybe it was the university, but but I heard – I was right for the Daily Tar at the time, and I had heard that Krzyzewski had a big hand in a uh, moment of silence before the game, which which may seem like, you know, the politically correct thing to do anyway. Uh, but that was a that was a really, really tough time for the school and for the student body. And it was one of those rare instances where you just didn't care that it was Duke, man. It was a it was a really cool thing. And so from that point, I always had that in the back of my mind. Guy's a great coach. The team, the rivalry is nothing without Mike Shashevsky, just like the rivalry is nothing mm-hmm. without Dean Smith. It's nothing without Michael Jordan has nothing to do with Duke rivalry, right? Like even Jordan used to say, like, my, you know, who? I mean, the only thing Michael Jordan has to do with it is he turned down Duke come Carolina. And uh, famously, right? So, you know, hats off to Kay um, in, in, in a lot of regards. I'm excited because I hate John Shire just as much. So it's like, it would have really sucked if like Brad Stevens comes because you kind of, I mean, you're going to wind up hating Brad Stevens, but he's kind of a nice guy. Like, you kind of would like yeah. him. Um, so the yeah, fact it's, that it's he's tough. a hated player is great. So here's the candidates that Carolina fans in the top of my head would just love to destroy if they coach Duke. Greg Paulus, mm-hmm. they would love to destroy him. J.J. Redick. Absolutely. you know, putting some age here. He's getting older. Could have just stepped in, walked into coaching. Would have hated him. Um, let's see here. Gerald Henderson. Um, There's one big, mm. big name you ain't, you're missing. Christian Leitner. Wow. Christian Wouldn't that have been electric? Wow. Everybody. He's the most hated. He's the – a most hated maybe college basketball player ever. Um, that list, yeah, is 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 pretty much it. I mean, Shire, and then Shire's got to be, you know, your top five. Yeah. Brian Zubek, oh, some well, some guy like that, some like idiot dude like that, but like that dude, it's laughable. So Zubek actually owns a cupcake shop. He does. Uh, He's a baker. Last, last I heard, yeah, which is uh, 
it, you couldn't make the stories up. Uh, that's fitting. I would the love cupcake to see him owns in a cup, a, cup, yeah. cupcake shop. You know, yeah, probably wearing an apron, soft as soft as Charmin tissue. Um, to walk in there, get your donuts and everything like that. You would never see uh, Sleep Dog or uh-huh. the Big Honk ever owning any type of bakery. No, sir. I mean, unless it's uh, unless we're in cahoots with Sheed the Prez, we ain't coming near a bakery. And uh, no. and old uh, who else? They have Ryan either. Ryan Kelly be in the uh, in the back there uh, rolling dough, uh, so to speak. But uh, yeah, man, it's I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, you know, and, and and before we get off of that subject, I do want to ask an open ended or or at least a um, you know, a theoretical question. I mean, is it possible that from a from a strict forget all the pomp and circumstance that we're all you know dreading as like UNC fans and probably the rest of the world? Um, I bet I bet Dickie V is about to just have a conniption though. Um, Forget all that in the in the, the ceremony. Is it the right to, is he leaving Duke in a better place? Because at least now it doesn't come, it doesn't shock the system, so to speak. I mean, does it give Shire a year to prepare? And it's okay, it's official now, right? Is this does it give um you know them time to get ahead of maybe some of the recruiting challenges? Does it give them time to make adjustments and make sure the guys that they need to stay stay? And that if they can't land some of the guys because K's gone, they can they can recoup. Whereas when Roy leaves, it's a huge surprise. And you know, maybe it's maybe it's the opposite effect. I guess I'm just curious your thoughts on that. You know, again, just from a totally unbiased perspective, if if um, you know, I'm sure there's pros and cons to each side. Well, I think what it does is Shire's able to build a relationship with all the recruits. Uh, he's able to talk to them. Um, I think also Shire's able to implement a little what he wants to do and start to gauge a, a barometer for who he wants as assistant coaches and the direction that he wants to be. Um, wants to go with the program. And also I think it's not that bad of an idea from the aspect that Kay can kind of take him to places and show him the doors, you know, certain situations. I think that's really important, but John Shire is awfully young Mm -hmm. and he has no head coaching experience. Um, He has played overseas basketball and maybe he was a coach in Israel. Yeah. So uh, I, I do take, coaching overseas as experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that shows a hunger. And I think when you go overseas to coach, I think it builds this fire and makes you appreciate some things back at home. Uh, also, it shows that you want to be a coach. So is John Shire, I don't think he would be a candidate that I would hire. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I have no, I mean, they're not going to ask me anyways. But, right. Um, I don't think it's an awful decision, but I think he has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate the fact that it, I don't hate the fact that this is, I don't hate this fact, but you know, this could be a potential where a guy's super young trying to make a name and he gets handed his dream job from the get. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I don't like is when people grind, 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 and they're a very good coach. And then all of a sudden somebody like Shire who hasn't had a head coaching experience in college basketball just gives like, here's one of the best jobs in college basketball, take over and see what you can do. Because if this doesn't go right, um, this could go outside the program and this could be like a potential for, you know, how do you ever get back to that, that stage as a coach? Mm -hmm. You know, how, I mean, what's, I mean, how do you do, do you just move on? But uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pressure from him. And you could see young coaches overworking, overworking, overpracticing and things like that. And there's a thing in basketball called 
called overcoaching. It's where you have a great team and you try to contain them with hour-long practices, so much dialogue, scouting report, everything, and you put so much into it. At the end of the day, you know, you got to let your players play. You got to give mm-hmm. them freedom. You got to trust them. And you can't control everything. And that's, to me, overcoaching isn't talked about in the media. It's not talked about, you know, much from outside of the basketball community, from outside the players, because I'll, I'll give you an example of overcoaching. It would be getting late in the game where a team has a fast break and a coach calls a timeout because he feels more secure in drawing up a play mm-hmm. than letting his team play a, you know, let's say a, a three-on-two situation in right. a fast break. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, his whole philosophy is going to be interesting. His interaction with the referees is going to be interesting. You know, one of the dynamics I see happening here is Shire seems like somebody's going to bitch at the refs a lot, carry the torch, right, in that regard. Hubert does Mm -hmm. not. Hubert does not strike me as that kind of guy. So I think we're going to win over a lot of fans. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, Carolina fans. I love them. I am one. Die hard. You know, uh, they're quick to pull the trigger. You know, if Roy doesn't call a timeout or something, all of a sudden, you know, Carolina fans become coaches. Maybe I'm not in the Duke circle enough, and maybe this goes on there too, but it sure seems like that, that Duke fans are a little different in that it doesn't matter what Shashevsky does. You know, they're going to follow along. So it will be interesting mm-hmm. to see, you know, how they respond uh, should things get off to a bit of a rocky start. But nonetheless, um, an interesting chapter <laughs> is about to yeah. start in uh, the Duke-Carolina rivalry and, and, and at each – you know, it's it's only it only makes sense, man. And if you really step back yeah. and look at it, it only makes sense that both of these guys leave at the same time. It's almost and when and when 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 Roy Williams said like, you know, uh, in those comments the next day, I, I guess after he heard re- uh, he had retired and he was on the golf course and he talked about how he was a good friend. And I always wonder whether that's like, you know, just just a pleasantry that you give to somebody else that you have respect for but don't want two cents to do with. But, um. You know, it's it's the whole the whole story just is always so in step both sides. So um, it'll be it'll be fun come come the fall. So we played them the last game in Cameron, just to give you a heads up, because we had our senior our senior night at uh, mm-hmm. at the Smith Center against Duke. So we will have our last game conference game in uh, Cameron to mm-hmm. finish out the ACC play. So that's going to be interesting. I would love for us to get a dub uh, his last game in uh, Cameron. That would be really special. I will call it right now, okay? I don't care if a meteor strikes off the Yucatan Peninsula and there are five people on left. Or it's ten people left on planet Earth, five on each side to play that basketball game. The Tar Heels will win that game no matter what. Um, you know, it didn't win. Hurricanes, uh, because they started when, and we're gonna, they don't have to spend a ton of time on this one, but the Canes, you know, uh, lost to Tampa. They were undefeated when Sleephawk Worldwide was in the building in full force. Uh, they were unwon when we weren't. And uh, I went to games, was it f- three, two, and five? Yeah, two and five. Because they won one game on the road to get back there, and and man, by, by game five, Tampa was just better. I don't know anything about hockey, but they were they were just kicking our ass. But yeah, so uh, Tampa apparently had the best goalie in all of the NHL, and all you Hurricanes fans out there, which happened to be a lot of state people. And mm-hmm. one thing about me and Sleep Dog, we don't like state people. I ain't state but, people. 
we we associate with a lot of state people. But I will tell you this: Hurricane games are fun. They have a young, good squad, and mm-hmm. uh, we need to have that type of atmosphere sometimes in the regular season. Yeah, I think we could make. We don't have any sports teams in Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Durham, um, outside of minor league baseball. Uh, look, we should all rally around this hockey team, and we should put some pressure on the management. Uh, to get a premier player and let's make a deep run. Let's, let's get the cup back. We haven't won the Stanley cup since I think Oh six. And it would be great to see, uh, to see it come back to Raleigh. That was when, uh, yeah. That was when Brendan Moore played. I think we won once after that. I think we won once since. I'm going to uh, old fact checker must be asleep at the wheel over there. Good thing. we got an associate fact checker on deck, but sleep dog's going to look and see, but that was cam ward was a goalie. One of the best goalies uh, around, left-handed, got a golf swing like old Sleep Dog. Yeah, it was um, just, just grip it and rip it. I played it. golf him a few times, just rip it right into the woods, and he is a musician getting that thing out of the woods, <laughs> and he can he can play some golf. Um, I think yeah, you're right. But, I think 2006. Yep, that was the last one. They they only won one, and it was in 06. Uh, I thought they won one again uh, more recently, but they. They had not. And it does seem like they got a great team. Sebastian Ajo, Sebastian Like they got some great young players, but it seems like, you know, I hear other hockey people. Apparently, somehow, Tampa maneuvered its way, and they're like $20 million over the salary cap. I got no clue how all that works. Um, apparently, they maneuvered their way around it. It showed, man, those guys were lights out. I mean, you know, it, it, to a casual hockey fan, watching Tampa in person, they were just sharp. And I mean, you know, we, and we caused some bad breaks. I mean, we were up four, two and, and, and sort of, dude, we could not stay out of the penalty box. That was the issue. Mm-hmm. In my opinion is we kept, you know, uh, some of the penalties were stupid in terms of the calls. Some were stupid in terms of the, the behavior. Um, so yeah, and, and we're, we're not hockey, um, savants. Um, but we do know that if you score more at the end of the game, uh, you have a good chance of winning. So uh, it's tough to do that when they have the best goalie. Yeah. And they have a unbelievable hockey town, hockey town in Tampa. I mm-hmm. actually went to the Stanley Cup uh, years ago in Tampa when they played the Blackhawks. And the atmosphere in Tampa is unbelievable. And I would love to see if Raleigh could get like that. They really rally behind uh, the lightning and really pull for them. It's, it's a great thing to see. Um, but yeah, it's knows? nuts how the Great warm weather the teams have. Yeah, the hurricanes are sick. Uh, can't wait for next year. And, uh, you know, I think uh, um, Svechnikov is an unrestricted free agent this year. So it remains to be seen whether they bring him back. We locked up Ajo last year. Old Ned, old Ned head, man, that guy got to have him back. What a what a what an icon he became this year. So anyway, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll be probably following the Hurricanes a little more closely. Maybe see if we can figure out more than three of the players on the team before the season starts. Uh, and who knows? Maybe they'll let us in there and shoot a pod. Um, big thing I think that that uh, we're missing out on uh, this weekend. I don't know if you you uh, you saw this news about the U.S. Open and basically like they're purposely not putting DeChambeau and uh, Kepka together. I was really hoping that was going to happen. But you're going, right? You were going to the U.S. Open. Is that true? The big dog and the fact checker will be at Torrey Pines, and we will be on our Instagram page, and we will be shooting, giving you guys minute-to-minute updates. We will be calling DeChambeau, Kepco, the whole Brooksy. time. Uh, 
Yeah, Brooksky. We don't even really like either one. Uh, <laughs> I'm pulling for Phil. Um, I love what Phil did. Phil grew up in the area, and he's back home. He's never won an Open. I want to see Phil take it at this age. It would be amazing. I want to see – I want to be one of the guys in the gallery, just a massive amounts of people right behind Phil, and you see this tall giant <laughs> right behind him and all the Instagram pics. That's going to be my ass, and I'm going to be uh, on Sleep Park recording uh, the whole thing. We really need you, Phil. Uh we got a lot invested in this, probably more than you do. So uh, yeah. we really need you to play well, so we can get we can get uh, get those picks and be part of your uh, your ride and experience as well. But yeah, we're going to be there. I'm really excited. Uh, it's going to be a great time, and uh, I've never been to a golf event. Wow, uh, a professional golf besides the one time I played in the pro am with Peter Uline, and uh, I actually played better than I thought. But I'm really looking forward to this. We are. It's uh, it's going to be a great experience, dude. So I went to U.S. Open in 14 when they played at Pinehurst number two, and the only player of note, I think, that was when Bubba Watson was really having his run as as being kind mm-hmm. of at the top. The one thing I remember, and and I'm not like this big, you know, I'm actually going to play number two later this year. Um, <laughs> I'll be lucky if I'm home by Christmas once I tee off on that round in November. Uh, but um, I remember there is a dogleg right, and we had gotten a couple holes up ahead of Phil. And there's a little dogleg right, goes around some pine trees, and I want to say it's 360-ish to the green. I would say it's probably somewhere around the turn on the back nine. Can't remember the hole. All I remember is I'm watching guys come up during, you know, waiting on Phil to get up there because it was so packed. You know, they're they're taking the the way around, right? They're hitting their iron out into the, you know, into the dog leg and then iron into the green. Phil lines up, dude, and he is straight facing the trees and hits a just moonshot. And I guess if you cut the corner. It's a drivable green. And, of course, you see this all the time these days. This is 2014, man. We're cool. We're just six, seven mm-hmm. years ago. Dude, he hit the ball so high. I mean, just pulverized it and apparently drew it, drove it over the green. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, I can get behind this guy. I watched, watched uh, um, Ernie L's uh, dunk mm-hmm. one from the fairway at one point. But, dude, the, going to the golf events, and then I've been to the Quail Hollow uh, one in Charlotte when um, – Tiger was there a few years ago, um, and it was just nuts, dude, following Tiger around. So Tiger didn't – you in 14, I can't remember if that was like in the middle of his – I think that was after his sort of downfall. I don't know if he just didn't make the cut or uh, he, he didn't play at all, but uh, seeing Tiger even in just a regular event was it was insane, dude. You're going to have so much fun with uh, – yeah. Dude, so anybody out there in Sleep Hog Nation, you pick this up, man. Shoot the big dog some tips because there's a, there is a an art to attending – uh, a, a U.S. Open because you gotta you gotta maneuver around, man. You gotta get ahead. You gotta you gotta basically gotta roll the dice, right? Like you gotta. I remember when um, in it wasn't it wasn't a U.S. Open, but in the in the Quail Hollow thing, like you get up ahead of Tiger. I mean, you gotta get holes ahead of Tiger, and then you gotta mm-hmm. kind of go and think like you gotta ask around because they're like okay, Tiger tends to do this or that on this hole, and you gotta position yourself not just on the hole. But like where you think balls, because really the real roll of the dice is, hey, I think Tiger's going to hit it over here. And if I line up here and his ball comes here, I can get right beside him. Um, we mm. did that. And the guy in front of him literally almost hit the guy standing right next to us. His name was Bo mm. Hostler. 
Bo Hosler has an ass the size of a double wide trailer. Dude looks like a regular Ooh. guy until you get right down to his hips. And he looks like he has to walk sideways through the damn door. <laughs> but the funniest part is, so he's in Tiger Woods' group, right? All We're all there to see Tiger, but it's 50,000 people on the 18th hole trying to see Tiger Woods. And this dude yokes one into the trees and we're all standing there. It took him 15 minutes. I'm standing. I got a video of it on my phone somewhere. I'm standing. This guy is cussing everybody there. Try, they're trying to get us to move, and we're like, buddy, we don't give a shit about you hitting the ball. I don't care if you hit little Johnny over there in the temple and 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 take him away from this earth. I ain't moving my ground because Tiger's behind you, buddy. So it's it's kind of interesting, too, how all the other players have to deal with some of that stuff. Uh, again, Tiger is obviously not going to be there, but it's a very strategic move, and people get there, buddy, and they, they, they stand their ground. Mm-hmm. So Phil is definitely going to be that guy. There's no way Phil wins, though. Come on, man. There's just no way. No, never say never. I'm well, a big component of that. No one gave him a chance last round. I want Phil to come through. I need God. Phil. I need Phil. I want him. I'm on his. I'm on the bandwagon. I. Uh, well, I'm all in on Phil. I, right? I hope he wins. I'm going to say never because you know what happens when you hear a prediction on <laughs> Sleephawk Worldwide. So, so Phil, if you're out there, when you listen, I'm doing you a favor, buddy. Don't take it at face value. Other thing, dude. Took me a second to just catch my breath, even bring this up because I know our audience out here, uh, a decent portion of them, is uh, is really keen on this. But I tried to watch the Bachelorette when it started, and I think it's just a group activity for me. I made I literally made it four minutes, and I'm not I, I'm I like to embellish, but that is a scientific number. I mean, I made it four minutes, and I was just like, what am I doing? I was trying to do it by myself. I was trying to do it for the audience. Just trying to do it for the crowd. Um, holy shit, man! Uh, I don't know if we can do it anymore. Yeah, so like we said in the beginning, sleep comes with the reality, and I leave with my heart. I was all in when The Bachelorette started. Sat on the couch with the fact checker, and I could have been asleep faster. Um, I didn't really watch much, but I got some notes, and uh, there's some interesting – I did not watch the most recent episode. I watched the very first First Impression Rose. You may know this. Um, Have no idea who the hell it went to, but – the guy was a bum because there wasn't one quality person on there. Mm. And the show has gotten borderline trashy. Uh, they used to try to, you know, they used to try find to love. Yeah. They used to try to find love. Now they're all talking about how sexually positive it is. And I didn't know we could make sex negative. And somehow the show has said <laughs> sex is positive. And I said, how in the hell was it ever negative? Yeah. And even so that's like pizza, man. Trashy. Even if it's bad, it's still pretty good. I said, damn, what? And uh, so now we got a bunch of weirdos on here. One guy brought a blow-up doll named Sandy. <laughs> what an entrance. And I bet your parents are really proud. Oh, and another man. guy's name is a surgical skin salesman. Now, when you grow up and you're in first grade and you're learning about, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Who in the hell have you ever heard say surgical skin salesman? Uh, never. And so that, that's the two takeaways I've uh, took away from the first episode. But I'll keep you guys up to date. And yeah, it has gotten a little a little trashy. It's it's kind of seems like they're trying to go for the fireworks. Chris, um, what is Harrison Hanson? Harrison Han- Chris Hanson. I think he's the one. That, yeah, you want to talk about some yeah, fireworks? Yeah. Anybody shows up in his yeah. anywhere he's at, there's gonna be some fireworks. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they, um, Tasha and. Another girl, mm-hmm. a former bachelor, uh, bachelorette contestant, they're on there kind of doing the the play by play and leading this, you know, this whole uh, journey to find love for uh, Katie. But 
you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, nothing too mind blowing in the first episode. There's a few corny guys coming out there like they always do. Uh, one guy dressed up like a cat. Um, hmm. Another guy stayed as a present the whole time. And then all of a sudden towards the end, he pops up out of the thing. And in my mind, I was like, what an idea. Just get out of all the social awkward interactions. And at the end, just pop up out of a present and be like, hey, I'm here. What's up? Where's Katie? Genius. I thought he was genius. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what I took away from the first episode. I'll keep you guys up to date. If we can give it a shot, we can. If not, we'll move on. Let us know if you want us to cover this. If you really want us to cover this, we will. So uh, it's going to be dependent on you guys. Yeah, I might have to self-apply defibrillator to uh, make it through another episode of that, but uh, I'll do it. If that's what you need, I'll, I'm here. Old Sleep Dog, he's a role player, man. You got to know your role. Um, got about 10 minutes left here. Let's hop into the NBA playoffs. There's a whole shitload of storylines going on there. My picks, wow, are they looking good. Knicks, Lakers, finals. Boy, they ain't nothing. That's about as uh, about as lead pipe block as it gets, you know, um, not happening. Uh, dude. I mean, nets and nets and clips are still in it, and it's hell. It starts looking, it looks dicey, then it turns around and it come back. I mean, is it, this has been one of the most interesting, like fun to watch finals. I'm sorry, uh, playoff, you know, periods. Uh, yeah, I remember. Well, I'll just start off. We'll go Eastern Conference. Uh, so last night, Joel Embiid, who's playing with a knee injury, hurt. We're not sure how significant this injury is, but. He had almost a no-show in the second half. Mm. And to me, Embiid is one of the best centers, one of the best players in the league. And if he's injured, uh, it makes the Sixers vulnerable. Also, Danny Green, calf strain, Mm -hmm. out for a while, at least the rest of the series. Um, That definitely hurts him. A guy, veteran experience, knockdown shooter, knockdown defender. Uh, they're going to miss him. That guy's uh, so on that your team to be – that guy's on your yeah. team for this situation. He is on your team yeah. to go deep in the playoffs and, and give you a chance to chance. Yeah. That's how important. And that's, what he's, that's what he's done. He's done mm-hmm. it for Toronto. He's done it for the Spurs. He's done it for the Lakers. Like we said, he is that guy that gets underlooked in a lot of NBA championship runs because he's been surrounded by great players. But yep. he has made impact after impact on each team. And he's – they're going to miss him. Um but the Hawks are playing unbelievable. I couldn't uh, believe they came back think, and won that game. Yeah. And, you know, we'll just say this. The Sixers missed a big opportunity to win a game uh, that they should have lost. And mm-hmm. they, if they would have won that game, I think the series would have been over. Yeah. Uh, because as bad as they played and they had a chance to win, that's always a good sign. Uh, John Collins stepped up, played big for him, gave a big spurt. And he's kind of been that X factor. So mm-hmm. Collins has kind of been out of the rotation a little bit. And lately he's found his way to get back in there and provide a spark. He's been playing unbelievable. And Trey Young has been backing it up the whole playoffs. He's been playing at an, an ultra high level that not even, like I said earlier, I didn't think he was capable of it. He's proven me wrong. And he's becoming one of those go-to, like, He's like making his presence known as like, hey, I can win too. Yep. And then we have Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think I said his <laughs> name right. That's and, actually a lot closer than I thought you were going to get. And he is playing unbelievable as well. So he came from the Kings and he is playing. He's one of the – he's playing at an all-star level. And he's playing well for the Hawks. And then you have Clint Capella who is uh, coming in, kind of having a resurgence and playing unbelievable. I love but that guy. I think, 
yeah, he's playing unbelievable. But at the end of the day, if Embiid is healthy and he's playing well, I think the Sixers win. And then yeah. you can't forget about Lou Williams, sixth man. Uh, yeah, he's been sixth man so many times he lost count of it. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think the Sixers win the next game. I think they're they're in Philly for the mm-hmm. next one. And yep. then they go back to Atlanta. I think they close them out, uh, and that would be six games. Uh, yeah. I think so this I think one's got seven written all over it. I think this has got seven written all over it. What I hope happens is is uh, that Philly bounces back because, dude, if this had been game seven or like a like a like uh, an elimination game, I mean, you're talking – everybody on the news now is talking about that Embiid missed layup at the end of the game like Patrick Ewing when he when he missed that layup to send a Knicks to the finals. Fortunately, you know, it's a losable game, as losable as a game could get in the playoffs. But, dude – I mean, I get it. He said he could. You, you almost feel bad for him. You guys playing with a torn meniscus. I wouldn't know what the hell that feels like. Says I don't think I'm athletic enough to tear a meniscus. I barely. I'm barely athletic enough to tear open an envelope when it comes in the mailbox, much less a meniscus. But you know, he goes down a lane and who's seven foot fourteen and tries to lay it in and it doesn't even hit the rim. I'm like, come on, bud. Like it's a pretty big miss. Um, but you know, he, zero for twelve. You got to. Dude, the knee's got to be bugging. He's was he 35 and 15 or something from the first three games. I mean, nobody's done that shit since Shaq did it. Um, yeah, I mean, so he's playing at such a high level. And, you know, the, the meniscus is uh, my brother tore his meniscus. Uh, there's different degrees. We're not sure how bad it is, but usually you don't have surgery on that. Gotcha. Um, but uh, he did say post post game uh, press conference. That he normally would have dunked it, but his knee kind of yeah. gave out on that layup. And, you know, I kind of feel sad. I don't feel sad for Embiid, but he kind of put himself in this position as one of those guys who, like, hey, if you bring it, no one can stop you. And he's kind of had that reputation of just coasting and yeah. not always, you know, making the most of what he's been given. And yeah. so now it comes playoffs, and he's, you know, he's probably really hurt and trying to play yeah. through an injury. And he probably doesn't really get the the sympathy or like yeah. the respect he de- deserves because this isn't on this isn't unknown territory for Embiid. He's right. had some uh, conditioning issues in the past, but if yeah. he's healthy, Sixers close him. I 100 percent agree, and it kind of sucks, man, because Embiid's like has has sort of started out kind of being the villain, but then as Philly got better, everybody kind of liked him because he's backing it up. But I'm agreeing, like like a lot of times he he at least had the perception that he would take nights off and this that and the other, and then it really seemed like this year, like he started to live up to his potential, and you really do think he was hurt, and and he he mm-hmm. he handled it, he handled the after the post game. Uh, well, I thought he 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 alluded to the fact that he was hurt, but he didn't lean on it, right? And he didn't make excuses for mm-hmm. going zero for twelve in the second half. Um, so yeah, you you hope the guy bounces back. I mean, and if he is really hurt, the, the first three games the guy's played like a monster. So um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if if he's if he's healthy. If the, if if the Sixers are healthy, I think they yeah you know they win the series. Uh, if he's not, I think they're in big trouble. Um, and, you know, of course, all this goes into, you know, who they play next, which is down between the Bucks and the Nets. And who I think is in trouble is the Nets because, buddy, I'm just really interested to see, you know, KD and this pressure cooker that he's put himself in without, without so, Kyrie and maybe without James Harden. So this pod will come out and the game will already happen. KD is going off this, this tonight, this game. Um, I'm going to say it's for 40 plus 
There is no way that these refs are going to let P.J. Tucker guard KD like he did in Milwaukee. Steve Nash already addressed it in the media. KD's already said something. And KD left that court pissed off. And they got destroyed. Like, it wasn't even a game. They came, they made a little fight. They came back towards the end. But this is going to be a great game. And I think it's going to be one of the best um, performances by KD in the playoffs. I'm calling it right now. Uh, Also, terrible um, news for KD. So so what KD has done with the torn Achilles and how he's come back is unbelievable. And he's having an unbelievable year. They do need Joe Harris, who has played at an unbelievably high level in regular season, to give him some type of help. Now, Kyrie is out with an ankle injury, and Harden is up in the air. Um, But their starting point guard, which is an interesting fact, is Mike James, who has no NBA playoff experience and played overseas, is now starting for the Nets, and he's played he's played at a high level. So uh, I like to see that. I'm going to be very curious to see how he plays uh, now that they have a really good scouting report and they kind of know his game. And there's these expectations. Okay, now you're filling in for Kyrie. We need you to play well. Mm-hmm. Versus you come in and you have no expectations. I think that's right. a different uh, a different type of uh, pressure. So I'm going to be curious to see how he handles that. But I'm going Nets tonight by, I'm going to say by eight. I don't think okay. it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I think Giannis has struggled on the road. I'm going to be curious to see how he plays. But Middleton has been playing unbelievable. And Drew Holiday has added something to the Bucks that they desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I'm excited for it, man. Like I said, it's like the cool part is, is a lot of these, a lot of your, your cornerstone teams aren't in the playoffs anymore. And the games are still super watchable. I mean, even that yes. even that Sun series where the Suns basically just blew out um, uh, whoever they Denver. just played, Denver. You know that series was fun to watch, um, and you can't always say that about about especially a four zero sweep. You know, you, you mentioned here in the notes you got Jazz Clippers. I mean, dude, that game's great. Everybody rode off the Jazz and the Suns, and they look awesome. Um, both of them do. Uh, you know, you're seeing some young guys really, really rise to the occasion. Like the torches sort of passing right in front of them. You got Devin Booker, you got uh, Donovan Mitchell, you got Trey Young. Trey Young's like the next Reggie Miller. I, I mean, I just love to hate that guy. He's so good. Yeah. But like, it's like everything about him, you're just like, really, dude? Uh, Kawhi kind of stepping up and then falling back and then stepping up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know he got hurt a little last game. They both go for 31. I mean, that's why you bring those guys in. So, um, yeah, man, I it's must see TV. If you ain't watching, if you ain't got anything else to do, you better be watching the playoffs because there's some there's some great games, great moments. You know, uh, what was who was it that um, that Kawhi dunked on last night? It's been all over the news. I mean, he just uh, yeah, just, it was. Uh, I'm not sure who it was, but it was a jazz it? defender that's really been getting up to him. Is it some guy named O'Neal? Not oh Shaq, Royce O'Neal. Uh, it was Royce O'Neal. Yeah, Royce I mean, O'Neal just demolished him. That, that was one of the most impressive playoff dunks I've seen. Uh, yeah, we've got a great playoffs going on right now. And you mentioned that the Suns have been unbelievable. What Chris Paul is, is doing right now. And uh, you got to be happy for Monty Williams and what he's come through um, and what he's gone. And now he's, you know, going to the conference finals and the, the Western Conference finals and CP to be written off and doing what he's doing. And Devin Booker is, man, he's, he's one of those – Top three premier players here in a year or two in the NBA yep. that's going to be like a Kobe-ish type guy. He is yeah. 
what he's doing is going to be fun to watch for years, and he's young. Yeah, he's about to. I think he's already pretty well paid, but he is about to just long term get paid um, here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. He's he's still young enough. Hell, he might still be on a rookie deal. Um, no, he's not. He signed a hundred plus deal. Got it. Yep. All right. Well, that makes sense. I called that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so we'll check that out. Um, anything else going on? We usually guys are on Instagram live, but we just want to make sure we had the technology, right? So, uh, anybody that's out there, hit us up in our DMS, let us know what you, uh, want us to, uh, to look at in the coming weeks. Uh, we're not here responding immediately to messages like we usually do. Um, Big shout out to our friends, close friends of the show, Jean-Claude Tan Dan uh, and his girlfriend K-Dog are now uh, fiance K-Dog. So we're happy for uh, our buddy Big Dan and uh, just kind of feel sorry for for Katie, uh, but they make a great pair. So uh, shout out to you guys. They just got engaged yesterday. Dan ruined her birthday by giving her a ring or whatever, however that works. I wouldn't know. Hey, big congrats to uh, the queen. I call her the queen. Oh, yeah. And uh, big lazy Dan uh, at Tap Tease is doing extraordinarily big things. But big congrats to you guys uh, on getting engaged. Uh, it's been a long time coming. But uh, <laughs> Lord of mercy, they've been dating yeah. since uh, since the Middle Ages. So <laughs> very, big congrats to you guys. Very happy. Also, Finley, uh, the uh, Sleephawk Worldwide mascot. She's eight today. Big ups to the mascot. You probably heard her wagon barking. She's staring at me. She's ready to go outside. She's ready to get into some birthday shit. Um, is there anything else? Stay safe. Stay safe.